Scott with SJ, Wildfire.com. Hey, I'm pleased to announce Pastor Larry. We've talked a little bit about Pastor Larry and his Bible study. He's been studying Ephesians 6 for the last three to four years. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And let your feet be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and praying always, that's the text we're dealing with. We, we have said a lot here in these past weeks about spiritual warfare. The, the fact that the Bible states us states to us that we're not to ignore the fact that there is a war going on. It tells us to resist the devil. It doesn't tell us to ignore the devil. We talked about the fact of uh, that the devil is real and his demons are real. The reason we believe that, because number one, the scriptures teach it. And wherein Jesus even fought the devil himself. And if the devil can come and tempt Jesus and to try to wage war against him, who do we think we are that we are immune to this? So we've talked about a lot. We've talked about going into the book of Joshua and how to be victors in this warfare of relying on Christ and his protection, relying on God's promises. Uh, And the list goes on. You know, by doing all this, we're really putting on his armor. And it's preparing ourselves, using God's resources in order to prep us for the fight, to prep us for the battle. It will come. Those who live godly in Jesus will suffer persecution. You become a target. I become a target. If you step out in faith and say, I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus no matter the cost, you have become a target but don't don't shy back don't step back because this is a place of god's blessing and this is a place that we want to be in order in order to have that peace and rest that we talked about in uh, former messages but what i want to center on today and we talked about This little passage here in verse 15, we talked about that last uh, couple messages ago, and it says, 
and have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we talked about that our warfare is not to make war with other people, but ours is to put on the armor of God in order to bring peace and tell people of th that they can have peace with God, because in the unsafe and save state, mankind is at war with God. But we're here to bring Jesus Christ, Him and His gospel message, and that is peace. We are ministers of peace. They can have the peace with God, and then they can have the peace of God, which passes all understanding. That's part of our armor. And that's why we need our armor on, because if we do not, we will not go with our feet shod, go to the unsaved and speak to them of Jesus Christ. Because when you do that, Satan will resist you. He will resist those who want to step out on faith, having their feet shod with the gospel of peace. Satan is the God, little g, of this world, and he likes chaos. He doesn't want people to have peace, and he'll fight you. Well, that's why we must have on this armor of God. We're here to make peace, not to fight people in the flesh. Okay, that's very important. And I don't want you to misunderstand that message. So that was a couple weeks ago. But what I want to talk about now is part of our spiritual armor, and that is take the helmet of salvation, and I think this goes along with it, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we talked about the Word of God and how that is a basic piece of our armor. But notice it's kind of connected to the helmet of salvation. So what is the helmet of salvation? There's been those who would give us their opinion. I think it's the fact it is that since the helmet covered the head, as it did in Vietnam, it was there to protect one of the most vital areas, and that was our brain in Vietnam. Without the brain... You couldn't function if you were wounded. There's no way. Shot in the arm, sometimes you can use the other arm to shoot. But if you get a wound in the brain, this rendered you inoperable. So I look at, as I look in warfare, I look as the, as the helmet in the spiritual warfare as covering our mind, where our thought process is, where we make our moral judgments, where we make decisions so we're to take that helmet and the reason i believe it's connected with the sword of the spirit or the word of god because this is how you guard your mind now, the bible uses that term interchangeably with heart soul emotions and so on but basically i think it's probably a little bit of all it's basically the seat of our thinking, emotions, and knowing. It's what makes me, me, and what makes you, you. And the scriptures have a lot to say about this. Listen to what Jesus said in, one, in the passage on the greatest commandment. 
and it's found in the Old and the New Testament. I'm going to quote the Old Testament. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today, you are, you are to be, it is to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them. Why on the forehead? Because you're supposed to be thinking about it all the time. And write them on the door frame of your houses and your gate. That's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Now, when you come to the, uh, the New Testament, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. This is where we make our moral decisions and our choices. And you know as a believer that uh, as an unsaved person, and we have to go back to Ephesians chapter 2, where it says, Wherein as times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit not, that now works in the children of disobedience, among also we had had our behaviors in times past in the loss of our flesh. Now listen to this. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, inward by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. If you're a Christian, that's the way you were before. If you're not a Christian, that is the way you're living. You're looking out for old number one first. And you're keeping on yourself desires of the flesh and of the mind. If you're honest with yourself, you have to say, yes, Brother Larry. <laughs> yes, Larry, that is true. So, something has to be done with our mind. You become a believer in Christ. You still have this old nature, but now you're given a new nature. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The the scriptures has a lot to say about this, and we're going to look at some of these passages in depth since it's part of the Word of God. You know, Paul says in chapter 4 and verse 17 of Ephesians, says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. So we have, and we don't have to because we receive the power of Christ not to live in our old state that we're in, that our mind can be different. But the Bible uses the term, and we can read this in Ephesians also, about the old man and the new man. The old man is the one that you were before you were saved, and the new man is what you are in Christ. And it tells us that we must think differently. We must starve the old man and feed the new man. And the, probably the biggest reason why Christians don't grow is because they still have their minds set, and we're talking about mindset now, still have their minds set of their old nature. We were all born and raised and uh, 
we accepted what our parents taught us. We accepted what our peers taught us. Our thoughts and our opinions and our thinking was more or less processed by, by, uh, by nurture. By nature, we were born sinners, but with a lot of nurture in there where we accepted, we had a world view about things. Now, if you came from a bad family like I did, your view about your father or your mother is different than what the scriptures teach about the mother and the father. Therefore, when you approach scripture, you see the father of in the scriptures, and you kind of relate that to the father that you grew up with or the mother that you grew up with. If you had a father that was demanding and very harsh, you're going to kind of see God the Father that way. So what the Bible is telling us is we need to renew that mind. We need to think as Christ thinks. It's, what call, it's, what, it's what's called the, your worldview. People have a worldview if they were, they were taught that uh, there wasn't such thing as a spiritual world. That's why it's difficult to convince people that there's a Satan, there's demons, there's angels, because they don't view things from their perspective as a real world. So there's world views that take place, but it has to be replaced by Scripture. So you have to feed yourself the biblical view, because it's the Word of God, and you have to starve. <laughs> that means starve your worldview. And that's done in many ways. And we can use some examples of that. So, what's a worldview? Well, you may have been born with a worldview. The Bible was written by only man. And it's full of myths and legends. So you've never checked, really checked these things out. Here's the biblical view. This is what Christ wants to transform your mind. Biblical view is all scripture is given by inspiration of God. No prophecy came by man's will, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's a correct worldview according to scripture. A worldview could be, which is wrong, could be just do good works and God will accept you into heaven. And basically, a lot of people think that. If I do just enough good, God will weigh the good and the bad out. And if the good wins out, I'm in heaven. Here's the Bible. The Bible says, by grace are you saved and not of works. Did you hear what it said? We have to transform our mind. You can't work your way into heaven. It's got to be transformed. Paul calls it the renewing of your mind. The worldview says truth is relative. The Bible says that truth is absolute. And that's, that's a big deal today. Sometimes it's kind of hard to know what the truth is. That's why you need to have a biblical worldview. One of the worldviews are feelings replace facts. 
If it feels good, it must be right. The Bible says emotions are a product of the truth. Hmm. Are a product of the truth. Worldview is, uh, says that uh, uh, one of the... Let me, let me get this correct. The worldview is one of blame or being a victim. Oh, my parents raised me this way. Or it's my boss's fault. Or it's my spouse's fault. Here's the biblical worldview. It's your sin. <laughs> if we don't accept responsibility for our own behavior, listen to this, there is no forgiveness. You have to accept the fact that you are a sinner before you can ever come to Christ for forgiveness. Another worldview is says that God is not necessary for morals. The Bible says that without God, you become immoral and you become the judge and every man will do right that was in his own eyes. That happened, you can read that over and over in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. And by that view, it'll damage and destroy others. Not saying that there's no morals. Another worldview is it says, I'm responsible to no one. God says, I made you in my image and you are responsible to me. Probably the biggest reason why people don't want to acknowledge God because they feel like they're going to be responsible. And that's true, they will be responsible. Worldview tells you that we are to tolerate every behavior or you're called some kind of having some kind of a phobia. You know what I'm talking about. But it's possible to hate the sin but love the sinner. That's a biblical worldview. A sinful worldview would say that science is the truth. You ever see that commercial on TV where it says, talking about dog food, and it says, science did that. Like, science did that. Science did that. Forgetting the fact that God created everything that's, that uh, is used to feed dogs. <laughs> so the biblical worldview is that science should agree with the Bible, and it does. I believe in good science. And there is such a thing as bad science based on man's prejudice and his belief. The worldview says that all religions are a pathway to God that end in the same place, like spokes on a wheel, all joining in as a hub. Now here's the biblical truth. I'm going to end with this. The biblical truth is that Jesus said, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and there are few that find it. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no, way, no one can come except for me, through me. For as many who have received Christ, he gave the power to become the sons of God. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is a way that seems right unto man, but it leads to death. Jesus says, come unto me and I will give you life. He never said, come unto a religion, but he made it personal. He said, come unto me. 
So the Bible is very clear as it, uh, um, opposed to the worldview that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. It is mutually exclusive. It does not matter what you have concocted in your mind. It does not matter if you do not believe it. If you don't believe it, it doesn't mean it's not true. So never make that mistake. Isaiah said, We are all like sheep and have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. We like to be, mankind likes to be their little God. Is that they can make up a God and say, this is the truth. The Bible says no. The Bible says that you must come to God through his way and his way only. And that he gave in his son, Jesus Christ. So if you're listening to this message and think you're part of the in crowd, and I call the in crowd those who are in Christ, that you will escape the judgment of God because you're doing it your way, my friend, you're sadly mistaken. That's the worldview. I don't care what church you go to. Please accept this. Accept this mild rebuke. Because one day we'll all stand before Jesus Christ himself. And it's best to be found in him where there's safety and security. And we're going to see that as we get into Ephesians chapter 1. As we talk about the greatest part of our spiritual armor. Thank you for joining today. I hope you uh, continue to listen.